Regarded throughout centuries as a psychological ailment, nostalgia is now emerging as a fundamental human strength. Hello listeners and now viewers too. Welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinomo Bitan and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart, peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the listeners, and now viewers as well, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? I'm feeling a little bit bittersweet today. Oh, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Today's exciting topic is nostalgia. It's this emotion that humans have that is a bittersweet one. And that's so interesting and enticing to talk about. And this research was published in Current Directions in Psychological Science. And the authors are Constantine Sikididez, Tim Wilshut, Jamie Arndt, and Clay Routledge. Thank you all so much. Shout outs. So what was your initial reaction to nostalgia? And what would you like to kind of kick us off with in terms of this topic? Well, yeah, you know what? Let's kind of kick them off with, because usually what we'll have is a study in which a bunch of researchers have gone out and they've asked a bunch of unsuspecting people questions that they think is about one thing, but is actually about another. And we go through like the methodology. We kind of like really have fun with, with their approach, their hypotheses, their findings. And on this episode, we've got, it's more of a review. We had a previous episode a few months back, the uh, the one with Laura Carster, remind me of the name, Dan? Carsten. Yeah, and we titled it Enjoy the Rest of Your Life. And it was all about how when you perceive death as being a bit more imminent, you kind of reappraise your values and what means something to you. And that episode is going to be a bit similar to this one in the format, in the sense that what we're doing is we're looking at authors that have reviewed the field of nostalgia. That's right. That's right. And this can be contrasted with what sometimes we do, which is a meta-analysis, like the humor one with Jen. Yes. That was a meta-analysis because that one, what they do is they go out and gather in a basket all of the studies that have ever been done on a certain topic. And then they're like, what does it say when we add all these up? It's like a study of studies. And this is much more interpretive. This particular one we're going to work on today. It's more of like a review of the field. And it's so exciting. Like that, that quote that I started off with, it's actually so exciting how we humans do science and think about science because for a long, long time, this emotion was seen as a problem. It was seen as like, you know, you're broken, <laughs> you know, like you're ailing and we need to make you well. And it was like this sort of homesickness that like you were messed up and it was messing you up. It was a, uh, and then by like the 20th century, they talk about how uh, nostalgia was like considered a subconscious desire to return to an earlier life stage. And so they called it a compulsive disorder. <laughs> yeah, they, they really, it's so interesting going through this review because nostalgia itself, it can be quite difficult to define. Even still, uh, there's elements of it that we don't fully quite have a hold of. So what Dan and I will do is we're going to bounce through their review of the past, where we're at presently, 
and some of the things that we could possibly look to in the future. And when Dan and I were talking uh, off mic, uh, Dan, you had like this really great comparison. Like you compared nostalgia to umami. And if you could say like a little bit about that, I think it might just give the the listeners, because uh, it'd be a bit more interesting than just like the PowerPoint, starting your PowerPoint presentation with a definition, right? And it. just bludgeoning the f- half of the audience already are just like, okay, this is the and next hour off. of my life that I will not see again. So what was it? What was your umami? Well, what uh, I love about then? it is, well, there's a thing I wanted to say even before that. I read this quote recently that wisdom is simultaneously accepting the positive and the negative of life. And it comes really close to that. It's this Ooh, idea yes. that, right? It's like the umami flavor. I guess it's a Japanese concept. I don't know, but you know, there's sweet and then there's sour and that together creates this flavor that is really sophisticated and distinctive. And it's not all positive. It's not sort of like just sugary sweet and saccharine sweet where it's like, uh, you know, like a, an arrow bar or something. Or you're, totally. you're, just, you're just like, it's almost leaden. It's so sweet, but it's not so you know, sour or salty that it over, it's this middle ground where it kind of reverberates. And that yeah, and you can, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was just going to, I was just going to jump in there. So like umami. So yeah, when Dan mentions the, the, the sweet, sour and the umami, so you can think of the sweet as being your, your fond memories. And you can think of the sour being your not so fond memories and nostalgia is the umame. It's the combination of the two that actually provides something that's somehow better than the, the two separate parts. Or maybe not better. That might not be like a fair comparison, but it provides something that's unique to nostalgia is the mm-hmm. idea that it is that balance of the sweet and sour to provide the umame that is nostalgia. Yeah. And there's a third part too that this will lead us into the uh, the proper definition for those that want to hear how they defined it. There's a third element for me, which is you're looking back at those memories and you're very aware that you aren't there now, which seems to peak some emotion of longing, of yearning. And you would think maybe that would be a bad vibe. You would think that yearning is a bad thing, but what we're going to review in this literature is it actually solves some psychological problems. Mm. And it goes back. Do you remember last week we talked about Barbara Fredrickson and her theory of emotions and that we have emotions because they solve problems of survival. Otherwise you don't have them. And this is yet another one. We have the emotion of nostalgia because it allows us to do some self-care. Totally. And this is fascinating as well because now what we're, we're, we're drifting into, and for those of you who are regular listeners, firstly, thank you very much. For those of you who are new, it is very often like this, where Dan and I really just love to just really tease out the, uh, the, the, the science and, and kind of like what's going on with it. But like, there's, there's, there's so much depth and richness to this idea of, of nostalgia. And okay, so yeah, you know what, like, there's, there's going to be plenty of time for um for for tangents. So let's let's hit them with a bit of a I guess a definition, a of, definition. of what's going on with with uh, with nostalgia. So you've heard about used to be considered um you know kind of like a crazy disorder. 
Uh, and they even, there's this one thing that some people, these are actual scientists, thought that maybe this was a Swiss, um, scientist thought, well, maybe it's due to the unremitting clanging of cowbells in the Swiss Alps. <laughs> That's a direct quote. I swear to you. And then it moved by the 20th century to this like subconscious return to desire, obsessive compulsive order disorder. And now the contemporary definition of nostalgia is a sentimental longing for one's past. That's how it's actually defined these days. A sentimental and, longing for one's past. Mm-hmm. So sentimental meaning it has to do with the emotions, that it's an emotional thing. The longing being this yearning feeling. And then it's looking back at your own history. And I mean, it's so cool the way they studied this stuff because like they would just go and have people, like they'd go into a big set of 150 people and they'd say, we want you to write about times you've felt nostalgic. And so people would then just like write stories. And in this first study, this first really important study, the most frequently listed objects of nostalgia reverie were like close others, family members, friends, partners, momentous events like big vacations or big birthdays and settings, momentous settings like lakes, sunsets, this kind of thing. Yeah. And this is one of the things like, what would, what would you say? What's a thing that you sentimentalize and long for in your past like what are you nostalgic about man you know what i'm i'm nostalgic for a a simpler time there's something about there's something about there's a simplicity to childhood where you know if you're fortunate enough to have parents or guardians or some sort of group that are taking care of you what typically happens is your basic needs in life, your food, your clothing, your shelter, someone else is looking after those. And it gives you a certain liberty to actually freely explore your curiosity and start to discover who you are. And whilst we're in the process of that, we then start getting hit with things like education and jobs and bills, uh, (laughs) ex-girlfriends and so on. Um, And like, I think when I think about nostalgia, I'm, I'm nostalgic for times where I was just free to roam. Like I was just free to discover, Mm. to play and to not have the, I guess the anxieties of actual life just kind of always ever present. Mm -hmm. Um, And as an adult, it's one of the things that I had to attempt to do was to shape my present life in a way where hopefully in the future I could be nostalgic about these days. Mm -hmm. So like if I can do some things in my life now, that means I'm spending more time in the places that I want to be with the people that I want to be with. In some years time, I will look back on these years with a fond nostalgia because I've tried my best to kind of alleviate alleviate the things that might make it, that that might make me want to just repress it. Like if it's just frigging, you know, 20 years back to back of going to the office, like you you don't need to remember that. Yeah. 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 You wouldn't long for it anyway. That's an interesting way to think of it. There's that as well. Yeah. For what it's worth that what you just said fits in very nicely is you, you're thinking about something that was more monumentous and sort of meaningful and trying to not, in some ways, think about the, the drudgery or the repetitive things. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, what did you think overall? Many, many of the studies that they describe in this review, and I mean like there's maybe 15 they describe, so we're not going to like go through each one. But what do you think about this approach of allowing the subjects themselves to kind of decide what nostalgic meant to them and then to write about something that felt nostalgic to them? What was your... What, what was your... Sort of, yeah, what... Well, yeah, what I love about that 
Um, by allowing people to write it themselves, we've covered so many studies now that I can't remember which is which, but there was one study we covered where they did some sort of like FBI stuff. I think it might've been the one about job loss possibly, mm. but mm. this idea of when you let people just write for themselves and you don't necessarily push them in a certain direction or request, they allow their minds to freely wander. And I believe in this study, they weren't necessarily analyzing what was written. They were then asking them to like, you know, you know, like grade certain kind of like feelings. Like I say, there was a few, so I can't entirely remember. Oh, yeah. I do love the idea of allowing people to kind of make their own way there. And then what that does is it gives the opportunity to start looking for the trends. That's and it. so when we look in the past, as Dan mentioned, like nostalgia was regarded as a psychiatric disorder. So if you're studying people for this in the past and you've already determined that it's a psychiatric disorder, you're not necessarily going to be paying attention to the positives of it. You're going to be asking them to relive a nostalgic thing. And then your questionnaire might just be loaded with, you know, how homesick do I feel? Um, How is my appetite on a scale of one to five? How depressed am I on a scale of one to five? What's the likelihood of me throwing myself off of a building? You're not going to be asking them like for, for the joy and for the magic and for the fondness. And you know, how did your friends make you feel? Do you remember what the ice cream tastes like? Um, So I, I really like this idea, especially when I see in papers where there's not this rush for a number to be given or a box yeah. to be ticked. I yes. love it when people actually are given the opportunity to, to really express what it means to them. Right. And then That's we find right. the trends after. I like that a lot. And uh, you're right that in some of these studies, what they did is just look for sort of a positivity and the negativity. In others, they coded the content stuff. And I'm looking at this one right now where they coded what people were talking about and the way they created a narrative. Several of our uh, papers that we've covered over the last, what, 40 episodes or whatever have to do with how important the narratives that we create for ourselves in our own lives, how important those are. And I love this one quote that Dan McAdams talked about where the, in the stories, the positive and negative elements were often juxtaposed to create redemption. And it was this narrative pattern that goes from a negative state, like uh, they talked about this one where like they went to a, um, like a family gathering, like a family reunion. And it started off with kind of like a fight was quite negative, but then it moved toward like a positive or desirable state. In this case, like they all ended up singing together after singing together after dinner. And that led moving from that negative to the positive led to a feeling of triumph or even euphoria. And I also loved, I wanted to put out this, this idea that across all the different things, the most common thing was the self it was very self-relevant. They kept talking about how yes. self-relevant it was because the self gets put in there as like the protagonist. Yep. So that when you have these emotions of nostalgia, you're usually like putting yourself as like the key actor in this thing. Yeah. And then and you're these surra- elements. Oh, go, sorry, go ahead. You're surrounded by close others. That's a really important part of it. Yes. You're, yeah. These, you, these elements yeah, Sorry, <laughs> I keep thinking that you're touching down. But these elements are so these elements. But these elements are so important because they're the difference between what is nostalgia and what's just a memory. Now, if you had like you mentioned the example of like a family dinner, if you had a family dinner that started with fighting, continued with fighting, and then ended with fighting. 
it's very unlikely that you're going to feel that that's a nostalgic memory because what you'll likely feel is if you do find that that was you really like fighting and should probably speak to Dana White and sign up for a contract at the UFC. Like, but otherwise, that's just a bad memory. Uh, and and I think this is this is where you might be able to help me out, Dan. Actually, because when they did mention the bit of sweetness, that was a bit that kind of did take a bit of a left turn for me. Where I was a bit like, "Oh, that's quite interesting." Because if I'm just thinking about fond memories, there's something about that where it's not necessarily nostalgia. Because mm-hmm. I think no, nostalgia is predominantly positive. Mm-hmm. So if you if you are feeling nostalgic, it's predominantly positive but not necessarily entirely. So I'm not sure if you had any thoughts on that, Dan, as to like, if it is just a good memory, is that nostalgia or is that just, oh, a good thing I remember? I wonder. Here, for me, this doesn't come directly out of the article, but for me, the nostalgia of just thinking back to a wonderful memory or a triumphant time, the nostalgia part of it is that I'm not there now. So that yearning Uh, feeling is some of the bittersweet. Yes. Like here's an example. One of the reasons why I moved to London in part was I was yearning for a time when my life wasn't quite as predictable. Okay. And quite as pre-prepared or pre-scripted. And I was yearning for, um, when you said a simpler time, I think I was yearning for a more chaotic time when it felt like the rush of life was greater and it was just more surprising and chaotic. And it wasn't as though I was thinking back on the bad times. I was thinking back on really good times, but sad in a sense that I wasn't there now. Yeah. And I think that that is somewhere where some of the bittersweet can come as, as well. But in terms of like some of the particular studies, um, for instance, like some of the triggers, they have this one whole beautiful section mm. on the triggers of nostalgia. They said the most frequently reported trigger was negative affect. Meaning in your world, if you feel a bit lonely or if you feel a bit sad, that seems to be that loneliness or that sadness, which, you know, can lead to things like depression or it could lead to sickness or it could lead to lack of meaning, lack of purpose that puts you in a very vulnerable state as a, as a being, you know, not just as a human, but like as a biology, a biology, like as a creature. That doesn't leave you in a very good state. You're not very resilient in that state. Yeah, it's hard to have a heightened sense of survival when psychologically the being no longer wishes to be here or that desire to be here is significantly suppressed. Yes. So what they did is a series of studies where they prompted people to think about, for example, a very negative thing like a tsunami that wipes out an entire city, Um, a kind of an average thing like a probe that lands on titan or something like that it's kind of an average piece of science or something quite positive like in this case the birth of a polar bear (laughs) you gotta love that right so what they did is they sort of randomly assigned people these different like things and they had them think and write about that what they learned is that the tsunami created disproportionately more nostalgia in people and they were more uh literate about writing about their nostalgia with that prompt versus the normal one or the very positive one. So Which I just think it's so darn interesting, Akin, that our bodies and our psychology kind of got this. 
It's almost yes. like the brain like knows, okay, you're feeling this way. Okay. That's not good for our survival. Let me totally. get involved. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's a, one of the, I guess, psychological significances of nostalgia. There's a line here where they say nostalgia serves as a repository of positive effect. And what I believed this to mean is that mentally, like if you think of your, your mind as like a vault, it's like mentally we're depositing good memories and positive associations not and i guess the benefit of it is that when we are at points in times when we do feel lonely when we do feel sad when we do feel maybe depressed even we've now got a reserve which we can kind of go into which from the inside is going to make us start feeling better which could then potentially make us start behaving better in terms of how we interact with the actual world and that behaving better in the actual world may then make us feel more better in the actual world. That's I've right. clumsily like no, bundled no, my way right, along though. that, but I think you and kind of like get what I mean. Do you see how you also did a connection back to last week with the meditation where Barbara mm. Fredrickson was talking about broadening and building and that these positive emotions, it's not just like one positive moment and then everything's great in the world. You need to sort of lay down the tracks. You have to lay down, like, like you said, a repository that allows you to draw on it like a resource later on. And that leads not only like to better social relationships, acting better and developing better friendships, but also like better health, better physical health. And so the mind works in really interesting ways. And for those of you that don't buy this, which I didn't, by the way, you know, I was trained as an industrial psychologist 25, 30 years ago. So I didn't really buy all this positive psychology stuff. It didn't really exist as a science yet. What really made me buy it is the biology of how this helps our body survive. It, you can't refute that part. Like if you get <laughs> sick less often, um, that directly links to like how long you live. And as and the science starts to roll in, you start to see that our body is built as a machine of survival. Yes. Oh, totally. And there's, there's, there's like, there's heaps of positives to nostalgia. Uh, there is one significant negative. We won't, I won't jump into that just yet, but one of the other positives that I found, well, there was a couple and maybe we can say one about each then. So one of them was this idea of how nostalgia enhances positive self-regard. Yes. And the other one was yes. about how, uh, nostalgia actually serves like a communal um, yeah. serves a communal purpose as well. I don't know if you wanted to pick either one of those to, yeah. to say a little bit about that. I'll pick one and you pick one. We'll just kind of yeah, yeah, go for it. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the ones that I already mentioned, which I'll just highlight again, is it counteracts distress. And so the idea that as you are feeling lonely or depressed or you're feeling socially isolated, you can use it as a tool to think back about times that you were having a great time with other people. And that builds a social connectivity. So that counteractive distress would be one. Why don't you pick one and kind of talk about that? Well, yeah, I mean, that kind of does uh, fold both in. Like you, the way you've just like defined it there, that mm-hmm. does apply both to the self and to others. So how I feel about myself and how I feel about myself, uh, I guess, individually and in, t- in a sense of a community, like what you've just described there, Dan, it, it does like, 
that one hammer hits both of those nails because how I feel about myself, I can look back and I can be a bit like, Oh, there were times where I felt confident, um, where I was able to maybe persuade someone where I was maybe able to, you know, I can't dance, but I got on the dance floor and had a great time. And then while I'm remembering that I might remember, Oh, well I wasn't alone. And that's one of the key things about nostalgia. You're remembering yourself with other people. And so you have a reference point of, Oh no, it's not that everyone hates me because clearly people have really, enjoyed my company in the past. So where we might be going through a negative time, what nostalgia does is it serves as letting us know that that's not a permanent state, that you're going through something negative now, but here are several reference points at which you may have had a, a good experience. And before we go into the, the, uh, the I guess, the, the, the real downside, when I was reading through this, it really did make me realize, and I was thinking about this is a very general comment. This isn't part of the paper. This was just my own unique thought that I, I, I stumbled upon. And it was about people who have a certain degree of bitterness. And I was curious as to whether those people, they either have very little good things to look back on, mm. or they don't value the good memories that they have. And so for them, it's very difficult to find joy in their self and in others if they have either not experienced those good times in the past or they're actively suppressing them down for whatever reason that may be. Wow. Yeah. And that goes back to your comment too. I've never thought this before, but maybe it's the case that nostalgia is for the fortunate. As mm. an, I mean, that's a researchable question, but the, the idea would be as if you had a really tough upbringing where there just wasn't a lot of joy and war torn and don't know really the parents or, you know, abused pretty regularly. And it's, it's, it's a fact that, it would no. It might be harder to look back and find those memories to be nostalgic about. That's a really interesting comment. I mean, none of this research dealt with that exactly. And in fact, to be fair, a lot of the research here dealt with students in uni. And yep. so, you know, that's not to say that they couldn't have had terrible upbringings, but on average, they're living in a fairly positive environment. You know, if you sort of are lucky enough to be in university in this world. Totally. And those whose environments aren't as positive, I imagine that journey to getting to uni wasn't as smooth. Mm -hmm. So they may have got there, but all of it was a fight. Like, you know, they had to fight education systems. They had to fight economic systems. They had to fight societal things. And then they finally got to uni. Mm -hmm. So I imagine at that point, it's not a, a road that has been paved with like all of these fond memories, it's actually, oh no, I was, I had to aggressively get here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's interesting. Maybe the uni, to your point earlier, the university period becomes the period that you romanticize later. That's yes, the part where yeah. you look back on and say, ah, yeah. that was the sweet nectar of all my toil, you know? Totally. Uh, I was going to mention yeah. Ooh, go ahead. another thing. In these different things, um, call them mediators or different ways that uh, nostalgia helps us. One of the ones that you touched on, but we didn't unpack too much. They use the phrase imbues life with meaning. And that really mm. connects to some of the art, uh, articles that we've unpacked and fun packed together in terms of sort of the power of meaning and even the health benefits of meaning. And I was just going to um, mention this idea that um, it helps us deal with existential threat um, we, very recently we did that article on terror management theory and that whole thing yes. about how we worry as humans a lot about like 
basically not being here anymore. And that creates this existential threat because we want things to live on after us. We want world to be meaningful in a sense. And there's evidence that nostalgia in some of the studies, nostalgia imbues people's lives with meaning and it helps us cope with that existential threat. And in fact, in one of the studies where they reminded people of their mortality, and this is just like that last study that we read. Um, the Scrooge they, effect. Like, yeah, the Scrooge effect. Yeah, that was the title. People, like, in front of like a um, like a funeral home. Remember that? Yes. Yep. <laughs> and like, uh, and then what happens is, if people have been primed to be nostalgic, they get less of that death anxiety. They're less likely to be like upset about their death and then start to act badly. And so I think that's really interesting how this study, this review paper, lets us start to knit together some of the past papers that we've covered, I think. Totally. And this paper was about like three pages long. It's like it's double columned, uh, like the good book. Uh, so, you know, when we say three pages, maybe think to yourself six, but it's a, it's a fun read. You will fly through this. This is just written so well. And uh, before like Dan and I leave you with our, I guess, our takeaways, there is there is a, a negative side to nostalgia. I'm going to read their words and then you can you can bounce off of this, Dan. But in their words, they say, Nostalgia may erode a sense of meaning in the present and may forestall motivation if the individual is fixated on better days gone by. I wish they had some studies on that. I do. I think that was in the future direction section, wasn't it? Yes. And that's great. And one of the things I really love about science is how little we know. It makes me really excited because sometimes I really like to think about us humanity as like babies in the bassinet and we're still kind of just hitting up at the mobile yeah. which is science you know we don't we only we only've had physics like 400 years and we only had psychology Ooh. like 100 years so like we're just new at this and I love how open-ended that question is right there because I just I don't know enough about it without seeing the research on it. Because if to replay that back to you was, it would kind of depress us. It would, it would make us feel bad that we weren't there anymore and therefore demotivate us. If, if I'm right, if I heard you right. Well, I, I saw it twofold then. So I, I agree with that point about its potential to depress us. And I think I also looked at it as kind of, it could, you could find yourself in a state of, I guess, indecision so you're not necessarily i guess i kind of think about it like let's take um let's take like some hard drugs for example like now myself i've never done sorry yeah hard drugs right let's now. Some, yeah let's take some hard drugs <laughs> for example <laughs> for example <laughs> but when i think about when i think about addiction so if i just put as addiction we just like blanket as an addiction so from what I very often understand is when people are addicted to certain things, whether it might be alcohol, it could be um, drugs, it could be gambling, uh, it could be something even positive, but your addiction to that thing, you enjoy the feeling of being in it. That's what you're addicted mm. to. You're not addicted to how you feel before or after, you're addicted to how you feel in it. So if you get addicted to the state of nostalgia, you might feel great. It might not even depress you, it might make you feel great. You're not necessarily creating the new Very memories to look back on. You're it's more like fixating porn. on what's. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. You're, you're just, just going back, like, oh, look at this one, you know. Instead of totally. me, now, like, but here's a person, like. 
Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Just and, reliving your uh, your yeah, past years. Yeah. yeah, again and again and again. It's so interesting. Well, um, in terms of closing, the most important thing that I got out of this and that I love about this is to remember that our emotions are functional. And for me to think about using this emotion rather than being worried that it has a bit of negativity in it. You know, instead of kind of fleeing from it because it's got some of the dark to embrace the bitter as part of that journey and to take what you can out of the emotion rather than think of it as a problem. That was really nice for me. Yeah. Oh, sweet. And, and from myself, I would say make some, make some new memories, people like just kind of think about yourself today. And then think about yourself in five years time, 10 years time, 20 years time. And just think to yourself, like, are there things that I could do today, this week, this month, where in five years time, 10 years time, 20 years time, I'll look back on those and think about them in a very bittersweet, nostalgic way. I love that. I I can, it's almost like proactive nostalgia creation. Yeah, get ahead of it. We get, the, we get ahead of the curve yeah, yeah. on this. Get ahead of the curve. Flatten, oh. flatten the curve. <laughs> nice. Good contemporary. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody. I love um, that we, are, we keep escalating in terms of downloads. And that is, um, you know, we're so grateful for that. Thanks for doing that. Please, if you like this one, send it out to a friend. And, um, you know, follow us, like us, however you can help us out. We would really appreciate it. Super. What Dan said, when you see us on your social media feeds, hit like, hit share. If you're watching on YouTube, there's a subscribe button also that would be doing us a solid. And I don't think there's anything more to say other than what now feels like a very poignant sign out, which I'm not sure I've said for a little while, but listeners and viewers as well, enjoy the rest of your lives. Ciao. Bye.